Well, hello, and welcome to the Hero Ball Podcast. Today, we're going to be doing some fake trades. It's going to be a, a party out here talking about players that we think might be on the move, or maybe we just fantasize being on the move. I'm joined with my buddy Elkin. Elkin, we're doing fake trades. Who do you think the Pacers are going to snag? Man, I'm looking over here at some of the some of the trades you put forth, and I'm thinking, if anything, the Pacers might want to move around a little bit, kind of improve their draft picks because they missed out on a great chance to get draft picks, especially with Paul George in the market. Don't bring up that trade too many times. Uh, and the trade you have here is is the Pacers getting. Ryan Anderson for Thaddeus Young. And essentially, it would not just be Ryan, Ryan Anderson. It'll be the 2018, I believe, the second-round draft pick, the way you had worded with Miami, Charlotte, or Miami, which one's a, whichever the least favorable is. And, of course, the Pacers get rid of Thaddeus Young. At this point, from what I've seen, I think, first of all, it will, I'm not too keen about Ryan Anderson's contract like anyone, but at the same time, if anyone who keeps up with the Pacers, the Pacers don't really have that much three-point shooting at this point to spread the floor. If you look at, I mean, I can't think of any good three-point shooters beyond like, I'm talking about like maybe even giving 35% up to even 40. We don't have anyone on our roster who's really like a knockdown. So I think that will really bring it up for them. You will miss a versatile guy like that, East Young. But with the NBA, you really have to think about spreading the floor and really making a lot of open lanes, a lot of open spaces. And also, too, Ethan, you may not have gotten the chance. I've gotten a chance to see the Pacers during the preseason, and I think they're trying to move more toward like a like a spread the floor, drive, kick out. There's something you want to add, though, about that Pacer scenario? Yeah, like if, you, if you're going to do that, you need um, spacing, and Ryan Anderson might be the best four in the league to do that because he's such a respected guy shooting the basketball. You know, Thaddeus Young actually had a career high last year shooting uh, 38% from the three-point line, and that's pretty wild. I wouldn't have expected that. But and that but the thing about that is that is Ryan Anderson's career average. Like that's that's his average in the career. And like, you know, he he, he topped out. He's topped out at numbers like forty uh, percent and like thirty. Like, I mean, he's just always up there, and he's been a great scorer for many years. I think the main reason I like this trade and the reason I proposed it was primarily I want to see Miles Turner be put in the best situation to succeed because he is your team's best player and the guy that you guys need to build on. And if uh, Miles Turner is going to be the guy, he needs ample room to move move about. Same thing for Victor Oladipo as your secondary guy. He needs room to be able to cut and, and penetrate. And I think Ryan Anderson, just because he's respected as a shooter more, even though Thad Young had a great year last year, I, I think Ryan Anderson's the guy to open up to some spacing and the reason I think it works for the Rockets' end is because I think Thaddeus Young gives them an, an extra center option if Nene were to get hurt again. He can run that 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 small ball five spot and sprint up and down the court, use his athleticism. That's a scary proposition, whereas Ryan Anderson at the five, he just doesn't have the body for it. Man, that's bold, putting Thaddeus Young at center. I, I like the boldness. I don't know if I will go that route. Also, one thing I would kind of sneak in there, don't be surprised the Pacers finally start – trying to move Al Jefferson. I'm going to tell you this. It's just preseason, but from what they've probably seen from T.J. Leaf, he act, I think he's going to take a lot of Al Jefferson's minutes, especially athletic, can shoot the three. He has a really nice stroke. I'll give him that. He can shoot the three, more mobile than Al Jefferson, probably played just about same amount of defense as him. But the problem is I don't know if anyone who's going to be interested in a big man who can't really shoot from three-point landing and isn't that mobile. That's the only issue with that part of the trading him away. 
Yeah, not a single person wants Al Jefferson Elkin. I'm sorry to tell you that. But if you were to trade for Ryan Anderson, I think he might be an ideal guy for TJ Leaf to look at. And yeah, they're both white and they're both power forwards. But that's not the. I mean, they they just are both athletically limited. And Ryan Anderson would be a good model. But the thing about Thaddeus Young with the Rockets on, I don't want to like overlook this. If you run out a lineup with him at center and then a PJ Tucker or Luke Mahamute at, at at the four. Like, all of a sudden, you're looking at two guys who are just really athletic. And Thaddeus – we don't know if – I don't know if I've seen a motivated Thaddeus Young in a long time. How many good teams does he play for? Not very many. So that's what I'm looking forward to with that trade. But unless you have anything else, I'm ready to move to a, another guy. I'm ready to kind of get started with some of the Mike Conley situations. Now, you and I, um, I think we've kind of been thinking about this. There's a good chance the Grizzlies aren't going to be that good. So at some point, you're going to think about, if we're not going to win with this team – how can we get younger, a.k.a. how can we have a greater chance of losing? So, Ethan, where are some players possibly, key players from the Grizzlies that you can see being moved? Well, we're going to start with Mike Conley, as you mentioned. But I'm going to focus on a trade that is very unlikely to happen unless there's a Mark Gasol injury. And this would be uh, Spurs trading for Mike Conley and sending out LaMarcus Aldridge and Deontay Murray. The reason this is very unlikely, unless there's a Gasol injury, is that there's no reason to bring in a Marcus Aldridge and basically be a new Zach Randolph when they're trying to go away from that. Other than the fact that I think LaMarcus would be very likely to opt out of his contract at the end of the season, giving them some cap space to try the whole free agency thing again. And by adding a young point guard, Deontay Murray, maybe you find a guy that uh, David Fisdale can mold into a, a starting player. So basically the reason this happens is just simply for the Grizzlies to get cap space, the Spurs to get a point guard to like actually carry a team because Tony Parker can't do that, and Patty Mills is a secondary point guard. What do you think about this trade, Elkin? Um, I think it's a little far-fetched because I think it demands Mark Gasol getting hurt and the season being a wash for them. Honestly, I think at this point, it's very, like you said, very unlikely. But once you put into that equation that, hey, we really need to start thinking about how can we make the most out of a wasted season. And a lot of teams, kind of like we said, they start tanking. And the ones start tanking as best as they can. And, of course, we know the Spurs will love to do anything to get rid of Marcus Aldridge. I have no idea what happened to him. He had a guy who was going 20-10 every night. to. We didn't even get playoff of Marcus Aldridge. The guy who dropped all these ridiculous scoring games against the Rockets when he was on the Blazers. I have no idea what happened. But if that were to happen... I wouldn't be surprised of them actually saying, like, hey, Mike, thank you for what you've done. But at this point, we got to pick up. And also, I know I know Murray isn't the same player as Mike Conley, but I'm just going to point out, you're not getting a bum in return as far as point guard. Right. Murray is Murray's actually he's a solid rotation player. I would want him on my team if I was a team trying to pick up Murray. Yeah, you, anytime you can get a 6'6 six, six point guard that, like, is young, like, that's a key. And, and the way, like – I, I trust David Fisdale to develop players based on the fact that he came from Miami, a team that's developed quite a few players in-house. So if you can get a 6'6 point guard that has shown some ability to get to the rim, you gotta, you got to take the opportunity. Maybe like if this trade were to uh, begin to facilitate, it might take like one of those Spurs first-round picks simply because like that's just an extra player for the Grizzlies to stash. Um, like I said, I don't think this trade's really that, that plausible because um, I just – I don't think Conley – I don't think this is a good enough return for Conley. I think I think they can do better. And if you're done with the Spurs and Grizzlies, I'm ready for the Grizzlies and Nuggets. And this is the more intriguing trade for me. I'm definitely done with Spurs and Grizzlies. And now 
so what the what the Grizzlies and Nuggets trade looks like, of course, Grizzlies just putting Mike Conley on the table, while the Nuggets are putting trading over to the Grizzlies are putting Kenneth Fareed, Daryl Arthur, Emmanuel Moutier, a 2018 or 19 Denver first round pick, depending on what they want to go for that, and the Los Angeles Lakers 2018 second round draft pick. And let me tell you, if I'm the Nuggets, man, I would want this trade to happen because Ken Fareed, he honestly has not been doing much. And you got, I believe, Hernan Gomez. He's a lot better rotation player than Kenneth Fareed is. And I don't know what happened to him, but I'd rather have Darrell Arthur. He had been a very solid player. But at the same time, I'm sure the Grizzlies wouldn't mind getting him back. He used to be in that Grizzly system, not with Fisdale. He used to be in that system. And then Moutier, what to make of Moutier? I don't know at this point. People say he he's improved. But during the offseason, when you're playing just street ball with guys, you're playing one-on-one versus a chair. Anyone can look like they've improved a lot. So at this point, this is the trade, the Mike Conley trade, that got me most excited. Ethan, what do you like about this trade? So, the, the and by the way, all these trades I'm mentioning, I, I ran them through the NBA uh, trade machine on ESPN, and they all work. Like, I, I think that's an important thing to say. Um, the reason I like this trade is Kenny Fareed is the kind of guy who Memphis can embrace for these bad seasons they're likely to have if these trades occur. I think the situation that drives this this trade is that I don't think anyone has to get hurt. It's more of a like the season's just not going well through like 20 games. And then Grizz is like, we, we can't waste this season. The reason I like this trade, though, you get Kenny Fareed, a guy that you can throw out there as an energy guy. The crowd will love him while you're being bad. Darrell Arthur, he's just salary filler, honestly. Like, I like Darrell Arthur as a player. He's a guy I wouldn't mind to see playing for my team, you know, because he's a guy who plays some five, go back and forth to the four. I like him a lot. Just He's, he's just never been, like, a consistent, good NBA player. He's had his moments. The thing about Emmanuel Moutier is, again, David Fisdale. I trust him to be a player developer. And – he has all the tools. He's a 6'5 point guard with, with great athleticism. Has a wonky shooting thing. But you know what? Mario Chalmers wasn't exactly a great shooter when he came in the league. And he formed into something that was pretty pretty good, you know, considering he had some a big finals game there one time. I think the key to this trade, though, is the uh, the first-round picks. Or the first-round pick. And then that Lakers second. Like, I, I just threw that on there because like, I, I think this is actually a realistic offer. Um, and this gives the Nuggets a very formidable starting lineup of Conley, Harris, Wilson Chandler, Millsap, and Jokic. I think all of a sudden that team actually can be a solid defensive team. Oh, definitely. While well, I'm looking at that team, I'm just – you put those five out there, you have a great chance not beating necessarily your Warriors team, but I think they'll be able to give them problems. And, of course, I mean, Jokic, his defensive problems – that's another issue, but I think he makes more than makes up for on the offensive end. But I think that's something you want to roll out. By the way, when you say Mario Chalmers, I always forget, we always got to remember that he's two-time world champion Mario Chalmers. All right, let's always remember that as one of the greatest uh, Heat players, as I like to put up. No, I'll be just kidding. But I do like that lineup. And honestly, for me, I just feel like you're going to waste minutes with Kenneth Fareed. And at this point, if you're starting Jameer Nelson over Emmanuel Moutier, what are you doing with him on your team? Because that's what it looks like the Nuggets are going to do with the Death Heart. I mean, Jameer Nelson, you have him. He's like a 12 going on his 13th year. And Amanda Moutier, he's supposed to be more athletic, be more of a leader. And what has he done up until this point? And in the end, you dump all of that. And the Grizzlies, you get what you want with the draft picks. And that starting lineup, that's what I like about it the most for the Nuggets. That starting lineup is a real good starting lineup. Go ahead, Ethan. 
And here's the other thing. Um, we, we, we were meaning to talk about this in the beginning, but we're going to get to it now. Gary Harris just signed an extension of four-year, $84 million, with the fourth, fourth year as a partial guarantee, minus $10 million off that year. Um, so they just locked up. If you make this trade, you lock up your backcourt for, for three years. Like, because I think Conley will have three more years um, into that extension. And the thing about that is, man, like Conley's not going to fall off a cliff. Like he's he's got the craftiness; he's going to be a, a facilitator, if nothing else. You know, he might not be worth the max max slot he's taking up, but he's going to be a, an effective player. And what I really like about this is, all of a sudden, now you're looking at Jamal Murray being able to focus on one specific role. Right now, they're talking about him maybe being their starting point guard. And while I think he has this ball skills to be a pick and roll guy. I think that's way too much to put on his table for a team that needs to make the playoffs with the talent they've accumulated. And that's something, I mean, you bring up a good point with Jamal Murray. You have that talent. You want to develop that player. But you're thinking about what you have with this backcourt. And with Conley, especially, and Conley doesn't even need to score that much to be effective. That's one thing I like about him. And not only that, with Jokic being able to handle the ball, Conley's a guy who doesn't have to rely on making his own shot because Conley's a good spot of three-point shooter. He's very solid, and Jokic can create plays for him. And you have your two big guys creating plays where this is a team that not only solid defensively, but I think it's going to be able to move the ball around. And you have Conley can shoot threes. Um, and, Ethan, you're going to have to correct me on this if I'm wrong, but Harris is more than good enough to shoot the three-pointer. And Wilson oh, yeah. Chandler has always been a serviceable not the best, but he'll make threes if you leave him open. Like, and you have that starting lineup. You can now what you want is you want to spread it, but also too think about how can we get guys to the basket. And all, and I think even though Conley is smaller, Harris is smaller. I think the defense won't drop off that much in the backcourt too. Oh, it'll, it'll get better, Elkin, because Mike Conley moves his feet and gets in the way. Harris gets in the way. Like they're both like one's like six two, one six four, but like they get in the way of people. They get up in your grill. Like Emmanuel Moody is just a physical athlete, but he doesn't play aware. And Jamal Murray is is a sieve because he just doesn't have the reps, like, you know, guarding NBA style point guards. Kenny Fareed's a hustle guy, but he doesn't actually play good defense anymore. I, I don't know if he ever really did. Like the thing about this trade that I really like is it gives the Grizzlies a chance to jumpstart on a rebuild. We're about to talk about another trade that would probably go hand-in-hand in hand with this trade. The thing about it, man, is Emmanuel Moody has a chance to be good. And I, I think you've got, if, you're, if you're the Grizzlies, you got to take a chance on that. But if you're the Nuggets, replacing that terrible shooter Moody at the top of the key with Conley, that's too good to pass up. And I think that's something you have to look at. With the Grizzlies, they have more that they can risk. At this point, what do you have to lose besides maybe just – hey, we might lose more games, but that's it. If we're going nowhere, let's do that. And then that brings us, Ethan, though, to the other, to the other guy of the, that, we, that, we're wanting, that we're going to talk about, Marcus Gasol. Now, let's just say things are going bad and they can't move Conley, but they decide, hey, you know what? We can make Marcus Gasol available. And there's one team who we've heard rumors of them being involved in Marcus Gasol trade, which is the Celtics. Ethan, can you break down that, that potential Celtics-Grizzlies trade? Yeah, no, this is, again, my creation in the old trade machine. This is Marcus Gasol going to the Celtics. That's the only transaction going towards the Celtics. By the way, everyone, Ethan is – he's the mastermind behind these trades. He's the one who came up with these, put them all through the trade machine as well, just putting it out there. Yeah, because I'm, I'm a fiend. Anyway, so the Memphis gets Mar Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Yershon Yabusele, Semi Ojale and 2019 Memphis first-round pick. So they're getting their pick back. So when they stink, they'll get the pick. That's the key to this trade. 
Now, the reason I like this trade, the problem I could see here is there's just too many moving parts. And the, the Grizzlies, like, even though they, they just can't have all these players on their team, but, like, you had to make some really tough decisions on who to cut. Anyway, but this, this is a good trade. You get a guy like Marcus Smart. You know, all of a sudden you have two guys, Emmanuel Moody and Marcus Smart. You have the rest of this year to decide who you want to go with going forward. Or you can keep both and, you know, kind of like separate them and don't play them that much together if you can get them for market, like good market values. Get a guy like Jalen Brown, high potential to be a good 3 and D guy. That's just what you want in this league. And I'm not going to talk about Marcus Morris that much. He's the kind of guy who I would be looking to move again in the next season just because he's probably has value, more value to a good team. But then you got these two guys, Jerson Yabusele and Simi Ojale, just young guys. Go stash them in your D-League. If you can put them on a two-way contract, that's even better. I don't know how those CBA rules work, but that'd be fantastic. And then you get your pick back, so when you stink next year, you can have your own pick. Because right, right now it's like got a protection on it. But, you know, I, I like the idea of retaining it back in. Maybe you don't do that because you're going to stink. But either way – the pig's not important. The salaries match up. Marcus Saul will help the Celtics with their rebounding problems and give them an additional facilitator. All of a sudden, you got Horford, Gasol, Hayward, and then if Irving can be a facilitator, like as a passer, that's four guys who can all get you get other people buckets. I like the trade for both teams. Elkin, what say you? I definitely like the trade for the Grizzlies, especially getting that first round draft pick back. I'm a little bit more weary. For the Celtics, besides receiving Marcus, sorry, Marcus all that's gonna be great. But for me, I I still feel like Marcus Morris, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart, you're you're losing a part of your bench. And and that's the question I have for you now, Ethan, is how does the Celtics bench look like this? So after your starting five, who do you have coming off the bench for the Celtics besides Terry Rozier that's gonna give you quality minutes? Yeah, that's the tough part, right? And the the what I'll say to that is the hardest thing in the NBA to get is superstar talent. And maybe you don't think that uh, Gasol is a superstar, but I think he's he's right at that level. So I, I just pull up their roster. Players that they would still have would be your Jason Tatum. You'd have, as you said, Terry Rozier and Aaron Bain. So there's eight guys. That's, that, that'd be an eight-man rotation there. Um, the rest of the players, you know, I can't really speak to. Like they, they'd still have a Shane Larkin to run some point. But, like, for me, that's not the point of making this trade. This is a, a say, hey, we're going to make this trade. We're going to try it and put it together for this year. But if it doesn't work out, guess what? We are going to supplement it with some, you know, low-level, like, low-dollar free agents that are going to want to come to Boston to have a chance to win. Because if you have those four guys, all except, I mean, except for Kyrie Irving, three of those guys, proven unselfish players, with a coach that knows how to get the best out of guys, I like this trade because, you know, I'm just thinking about a Wayne Ellington who's going to be a free agent because his, his contract expires. He could sign there, and he's going to get wide-open looks if he's playing next to Kyrie and, and Hayward. I just think this is a trade that if you get the opportunity, you make it for the sole reason that you can supple, you can fill out a roster. The NBA is flush with talent. And I think you have to – you could lock up Gasol for a few years too. Your entire pretty much your essential four main guys – you're going to have them locked up for more than one year. And that's one of the most important things. I feel like if I get the contract situation, correct, you have this. And I'm thinking big picture. Whenever I think of them matching up with teams that could be finals team, like the Warriors or the Cavaliers, I feel like Marcus saw would be a piece that would be able to work out anywhere. Cause I feel like he's good enough 
to defend Tristan, Tom, Tristan Thompson, keep him off the boards. Also good enough. He's a good, I feel like, rotation player as far as he's able to rotate in the paint. Good help defender. I believe he had, had he, and you can correct me, had he been on all first defensive team, uh, he, all NBA? He's made that in the past. I don't think he was this most recent couple of seasons. Yeah, but like, I mean, he's coming off injuries. But then even I look at the Warriors, and one thing with the Warriors, they have problems with big men who are able to be active on defense. If you have a slow big man, they're going to struggle. And of course, Rudy Gobert had his issues in the playoff series. But I think of guys who are able to not just be in the paint and defend, but also move out a little bit. So I, I look at like a Carl Anthony Towns, and I know Gasol doesn't have the range, but Gasol has been extending his range, and Gasol can hurt you in many ways. And you're right, Ethan. I mean, kind of like what the Heat did. You add the main guys, and you worry about the rest later. You're going to look for supplemental players. And if they do that, and they're able to not really take that much of a hit, I think Danny Ainge will do that in a heartbeat. And also, too, who knows how Jason Tatum's going to end up. For all we know, Jason Tatum could be – an amazing, not just a six man, but a guy who can put in solid rotation minutes for them too, that you're like, man, you have another guy who's an up and coming star just sitting here on this roster too. Yeah. And it's all about upside for me. Like if you're a team with a chance to win a championship, you, you, you have to shoot your shot. You know, if you're the Miami heat, you don't blow this team up. Cause if you blow them up, what are you doing? Like, you're not really, you're not going to be, you have too many decent players to move to make yourself, the worst team in the NBA, but you have enough good players to be competitive and put out a good product. And if you don't mind, while I'm talking about the Heat, I have a Heat Bucks trade. Are you ready to hear it, Elkin? Well, definitely. You know, when it comes to the Heat, I'm ready for anything. Okay. So this is a Heat trade that actually kind of hurts my heart because I am one of the hugest Tyler Johnson supporters. <laughs> I couldn't believe that that this was put that he was put on there. That's, I'm just gonna admit that right now. So, yeah, the, the Bucks are going to receive Tyler Johnson and Wayne Ellington. Both guys I'm pretty fond of. As I mentioned, Wayne Ellington, he's, a, he's an expiring contract, and I think he's a guy who I think value is just going to keep getting upped as this season goes along. Um, the Heat are going to get Mirza Toledovich and Gary Payton II. Now, the reason I like this trade vaguely, like I'm not, not super fond of it because I do love Tyler Johnson, but the Heat won off Tyler Johnson's contract because he's going to push them into the luxury tax. And if you aren't a championship team, luxury taxes aren't fun for owners to pay. So Tyler Johnson, good catch-and-shoot player, good secondary uh, attack, rim attacker. And the Bucks are in a unique situation that if you take Telenovich's $10 million and take Monroe's expiring $17 million, which I don't think he should go back there, the Bucks are in a unique situation to absorb the, the contract spike of Tyler Johnson, and he's going to be a useful player to him. And then not to mention Wayne Ellington for the one-year idea just to give them extra shooting. I think this is a, a move that could put the Bucks into a, the next tier, like with the Wizards and Celtics this season. And in my opinion, that's a move you make when you have a guy like Giannis Antetokounmpo. And, I'm, and at this point, you're like, you have to think about Giannis as far as what we put around him. And they're shooting, I feel like. They got some. You have, like, your Tony Snells. But you really don't have much to bring up the shooting. And I love seeing Wayne Ellington live really let me see how good of a shooter he is. When a guy who can literally catch and shoot off balance, he's going to make it most of the time. It's ridiculous. And Tyler Johnson also, too, like, and this is why I wish I could watch more NBA games live because to see some of these players live gives you a whole different perspective instead of just, like, oh, this guy's a bum. He only plays, like, 15, 20 minutes. But these guys aren't bums, especially if they're in the NBA already. And more like Tyler Johnson, I'm going to use the, the term that everyone brings up with him is deceptively athletic, a.k.a. he's a white guy who's athletic, for being honest. That's what they say. But 
Ethan, Ethan's right. He has a lot of tools to offer. And while Mirza does give him some shooting, Toledovich does give him that, I do like it for the Bucks and what they're doing forward, going forward. And who knows what's going to happen with Jabari Parker's contract situation with him being up with an extension after two ACL tears. I mean, at some, I almost feel like the Bucks brass right now, they're like, hmm, we want to keep him. He's a solid player. But how much? Because if he asks for too much, maybe it's time to turn the page on that. Because who knows how it's going to come back after that. And you got to start thinking about maybe we got to retool a different way. Go ahead, Ethan. Yeah. And the Bucks are in unique situations. Even if that would push them over the cap, uh, the this, into the salary tax, the luxury tax, um, they have the unique thing because he'll be a restricted free agent. So it's like they can still retain him because he's he's their guy. Um, the, the whole, like, the Miriam Zatolovich is just like the salary filler for this trade, basically, because Wayne Ellington, Tyler Johnson's salaries this year make up about $11 million. But then the main reason we throw Gary Payton Jr. on there is because the last time a Gary Payton came to the Heat, they won a championship. So you obviously, had to throw it in there. there's some kind of mojo there, and we have to bring it back. But in all seriousness, Gary Payton Jr. is a good athlete. He's the kind of guy I look at that the Heat love to target. I can't, I can't believe when he like, well, like was available, like that the Heat didn't find a way to get him on their D League roster because he's just, he's just a really good athlete, good defender. He's the kind of guy that Heat play, Heat love to target. And so I think you get him in this trade, you give him the opportunity to play some, like just a small role behind Goran Dragic and Deion Waiters and Justice Winslow as primary ball handlers. And all of a sudden, Gary Payton uh, Jr. has a chance to really develop. Um, he's such a good defender. He'll get some minutes if, 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 if he can get out there and contribute at all offensively. Yeah, definitely. And that, that makes me think of, I'm thinking of point guard position, of the second trade you proposed for the Bucks. And this one I, I do like, especially because I feel like the Bucks are a solid point guard away from moving them up a level. If Jabari Parker can come back healthy, I feel like if they bring this player in, I think, and mind you, he has to stay healthy, I think that can really change things up. And the player I'm talking about right now is a way for the Bucks to get Eric Bledsoe. And I believe in this deal, the Bucks will be giving up Greg Monroe, and then the Suns will also be receiving a 2018. It could be a second-round draft pick from either Memphis, Charlotte, or Miami. And for me, at this point, and I've talked about it a lot, the Bucks need a point guard. I know Eric Bledsoe is more of a shooting guard in a point guard's body, but I think with the amount of talent, if he stays healthy and defensive ability that he can bring, I think that will bump up the roster, maybe a few more spots, make him give him a few more wins. That they, I mean, they're going to benefit from a weaker East, and I think this will only make him stronger. Yeah, the whole thing with these trades, Tyler Johnson or Eric Bledsoe. Grant, you'd rather have Eric Bledsoe because of his explosive talent. Tyler Johnson is a great role player, not going to win you a championship as your main guy. But the thing I like about both these trades, if you throw them both in the point guard position, all of a sudden you move Brogdon to shooting guard, you move Middleton to small or small forward, you move Giannis to power forward slash center, and if Jabari is healthy – you make him into a, uh, a power forward center combo. And that, yep. that lineup is terrifying, even if you put Tyler Johnson in there instead of Eric Bledsoe. So the re- that's the reason these trades make so much sense to me in my head. But this trade specifically, this is another one of those trades that puts them right there with the Wizards. And, again, if you have a superstar like Giannis, you have to take care of him, and this is a way to do that. And I think it should be pointed out that Giannis is one of the few guys who can actually play one through five. And it's not just like, oh, he'll play, he'll guard this person. No. He can actually play the five because of his length. And don't be surprised if we do see a lineup, kind of like we talked about, if you get an Eric Bledsoe or Tyler Johnson, you see a lineup of him, Brogdon, 
you have Middleton, maybe even Jabari Parker, and then finish it off with Giannis right there, you might see a crunch time lineup with that gives you not just defensive, but a lot of offensive power. Or Thon, Thon McCurr, like that guy can play defense too. He's, he's a, a weird athlete. Like even if the whole Jabari Parker thing just blows up and he can't be, he can't be on the bucks anymore. Like for whatever reason, you still have another guy that's like the kind of like weird athletic finisher slash can shoot a little bit. Yep. So I really like this trade Elkin. Um, this is the last year we're going to discuss. We have one more thing to mention. Um, we want to mention breaking news, man, Joel Embiid, a five year, $148 million rookie scale max extension. Okay. That's wow. This is pretty crazy in my mind. I, I honestly don't know why they like, I say make someone else make that offer come in the off season. In my opinion, as a restricted free agent, like, Joel knows you guys love him. You don't have to offer him that and just say, hey, go get your market. We're going to – like, like you can even give him an offer that's not a full match and say, hey, but if you can get a match, we'll, we'll match it. But this is what we think your actual value is given your injury history. But, no, the Sixers, leap of faith, they're giving him the max. Elkin, tell me what you're thinking about this. Man, I, I understand his potential. I mean, that, that player, if you looked at when he was on the floor, his net rating – I have to give the 76ers a positive net rating when he was on the floor – because of how good he is. We're not de- we're not denying his talent. It's just his health. If you only played 31 games in the last three seasons, I can't fathom that much money. If I followed the 76ers, I might have I understand what he's done for the team, the culture. Great. That's awesome. I might have offered more a little bit close to what Gary Harris got with that four year 84. And I might have I might have done not just maybe even five year 120. Maybe start off with something like that. Or maybe four years, put it like a hundred like 100, 100 million or four years, 90, give him something a little bit, just like not as much. And then if he matches it, of course, you're like, all right, we can go ahead and, you know, start working towards it because we like what you bring to the team, but injury. And I feel like the 76ers blew their leverage. Like this is where I feel like if Ethan was a GM of the 76ers, he might be like, guys, this is stupid. Let's really think about what we're about to do. And let me exchange that contract for one that's more reasonable right here. Yeah, no, I'm all about like, extending goodwill to my players. I want my players to like me. I want it to be a healthy working relationship. But the thing about it is there's no reason to max him out at this time. If he gets a max offer in restricted free agency, you can sign it. And there's probably no hurt feelings. All you have to do is before he goes into restricted free agency, like you don't have to even offer him an extension now. Just off- You could offer him it now, but like offer it just a little bit less. Say, hey, not a full max. Just help us out here. You've been hurt. I will tell you, if you get a full max, we will match it. We will do that for you, Joel. But the thing is, we have to know that someone else is willing to pay you that. Because that otherwise, thing, yeah, yeah, otherwise you have to save some money. And that's a big point because what happens if he goes out this season, gets injured again? How do you feel then signing him to an extension? I think right at that point, you have to think we really rushed and we really blew our shot on this. Do you realize how many how many people I heard like when Hassan got his max? after, like, injuring his, like, knee in the playoffs against the Raptors, how many people were like, oh, I don't know. We don't know if we can give him a max because that knee injury. And I felt the same way. But you know what? He was going to get it. For, he got it from the Mavericks. So we had to get – We had, like, even though we didn't have uh, bird rights on him or restricted free agent rights, we had to go full max because the Mavericks were ready to give it to him. But we wait. Like, I mean, there was there was no extension talks with Hassan Whiteside. And I know Joel Embiid's a lot better player than Hassan. But there's no reason that you can't, you have to treat these players differently. And that and then you definitely bring up a good point. But luckily for luckily for the 76ers and Joel Embiid, you and I are sitting here in our respective homes 
and not in the NBA front office. And we get to bicker back and forth and think what's better. But that is the top news and the top trades that we're going to cover for this evening. Ethan, it's been a blast being able to just – it's been a while. I enjoyed last week's podcast with you and Richard. I love the idea of the lottery reform. And it's been a blast being able to catch up. And I look forward to potting again with the next big news, NBA big news breaks. Yeah, we, we, we can't wait, man. The regular season is upon us. But, of course, no Hero Ball podcast would be complete without the Hero Ball quote of the week. And we mentioned this man briefly in a Celtics-Grizzlies trade, so we thought it fitting. And shout-out to Sergio giving us a, a, a quote of the week. We, we, always, we always love that, guys. Keep, keep sending in stuff. We, we appreciate any feedback you give us. And the quote is from a one Celtics, Marcus Smart. If Kyrie wanted to be the man – on his new team, why'd he come to Boston where he'll clearly be living in my shadow? <laughs>